Hello, thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Ray Newkirk. I'm your host. Welcome to my podcast on all things intriguing. It will be far-ranging, challenging, surprising, insightful, informative, and even interesting. It is brought to you by Systems Management Institute of Orlando, Florida. Check us out on www.smirsp.com. Say again, smirsp.com. Love to have you along and Hope you stay with us, and we've got a lot to talk about. We're talking today about virtuality of systems thinking in action. This is episode two of our series on virtuality. Virtuality is a system that more rapidly approaches the ever-receding horizon of problems to be solved by more rapidly expanding the repository of solutions available for problem solving. Amazing, huh? It's really about systems thinking in action. It's about expanding our thinking, looking at the horizon of what we know, understanding how it is that we do know or we don't know, and uh, things like that, things that uh, help us become fully human in terms of rationality. So we are solutions as you go. Imagine a new world of problem-solving convenience. You have virtual availability 24-7, wherever you are, they're all evidence-based, reliable. They all work. We know it time and time again, regardless of context, regardless of culture. The solutions are more rapid than you can do on your own. And they're personalized solutions. They work for you wherever you are. You have the problem. You ever hear that thing, Half Gun Will Travel? The old TV series with Richard Boone? That's what we're about. Have solutions that will travel. You pay as you go. Imagine a similar problem-solving environment. They'd be pretty simple, right? Simply use your current technology, connect and go problem-solving. You don't need any new software. You don't need any new hardware, no new databases. Just use the Internet. Do virtual subscriptions if you like. The enduring value is these solutions work forever, and that's a long time. And they're real-time delivery, rapid real-time. I mean, you get them now. Just remember this. A problem properly stated is half solved. John Dewey said that. The point he's trying to make is you have to identify the right problem. You have to state it right. You have to articulate to your team right. And that takes a lot of work. Remember in episode one, I talked about the six questions, the how, when, why, where, all of that stuff. Six simple questions. You answer all those. You've solved half the problem. John Dewey tells us that a problem properly stated, properly stated, is half solved. You know, that's worth remembering, too. You notice over these episodes, I share some insights with you, things that I think are worth remembering from really smart people. Here's another one. Let's discuss apprehensions before they turn into problems. Ross Sippy said that. That's worth remembering. What he's saying here is that so many people get apprehensive about things and don't face it, shove it away, push it back further. It's more than procrastination. They're afraid already. They're apprehensive. They're un, un, uneven, uh, ill at ease. How's that? And they have it on their mind and it affects their, their thinking and their behavior even. They can get impatient. But they're actually scared. They're actually worried. A lot of times you don't have to be. If you take it head on, you'll find out you misunderstood the problem. So let's discuss apprehensions before they turn into problems. If you get apprehensive, do something about them now. Don't, don't 
transform them into problems that have to be dealt with later. If you want the world to take you seriously, be important. Doesn't that sound weird? Telling you to want to be important? Who doesn't want to be important? I guess monks, people who are really humble, don't worry about stuff like that. But in business, you know, you have to be pretty important to be successful. You know, I guess that depends how you interpret success, how you define it. But if you want to be important, solve problems. You see, that's what I'm getting at. Problem solvers are important. Not because they get pats on the back or people have dinners for them or you get trophies. It's because you've made life easier for everybody and they kind of think it's special and they, they're showing gratitude by the way they live. They live better. That's gratitude, right? To see people live a better life. So if you want the world to take you seriously, be important. If you want to be important, solve problems. Listen, you become a good problem solver. People will take you seriously, right? Remember this. One mindset creates problems. Another mindset solves problems. What mindset do you want to live with? I think that's worth remembering. So have solutions will travel. Just like Paladin, have gun will travel. Have solutions will travel. Virtual solutions don't just start and stop on your website. You have to implement them to solve your problem now. You have to get out there now. You see the solution on your website. You can get them from us. You get your solution. You have to take them to people and make the team work better. It's a plan of action. It's the things that you have to do. I once had an executive say to me, you know, Ray, I like what you're doing with your solutions and your platform, but you still have to solve the problems. Your system isn't solving the problem for you. Don't you think that would be better? I said, man, you made the problem. You better get it solved. It'd be nice if you could solve the problem and change history and become a person who's a problem solver. Don't let the computer solve your problems for you. You have to do it. There's a lot to that. We'll get into that at another time. How can you always trust the computer, right? So that's where we have evidence-based problem solutions. They've all solved the problem many times before globally. That's kind of nice to know. So, you know, the old world of problem solving is really interesting, especially you go online. You had less privacy and security. And the new world that we offer is more privacy and security. What do you like? The old world subscriber is identified online. Your demographic data is online. Your behavioral data is online. Your financial data is online. And you're exposed to hacking risk. That's the old model of doing things like e-learning and software online and searching and putting whatever you have to put in the information. You run into those problems. But in our world, there's no subscriber data online. There's no demographic data online. There's no behavioral data online. There's no financial data online. No hacking online. We do it differently. We protect your privacy. We protect your security. We have a hybrid system. So the problem that we run into in our life is lag time. You ever think about lag time? Car breaks down, takes a while to get it fixed. You want to win the lotto, but you got to wait a few days after you buy a ticket. Hopefully you win, but you usually don't. And you keep trying and trying. 
There's always a lag time between the problem and the solution. Did you know the cost of problem solving costs businesses more than the cost of operations because of the lag of problem solving? It takes a long time to develop the, the problem, to identify it, to define it, to put it in such a way that we can look for a solution. And then you have to solve it. So the gap between that is a lag from the problem statement to the problem solving to the solution is a lag time. The longer the lag time, the more it costs you in many ways. You know, the question is the answer. The problem is the solution. You ever heard that? The question is the answer. The problem is the solution. How do I shine my shoes? You shine your shoes by shining your shoes. What does it take to shine something? There's the solution, right? How do I change my tire? Do you know the one about the guy that gets a flat tire? It's late at night. It's kind of a kind of rainy night, but he jacks his car up. It's like two in the morning. He's by the middle hospital across the street, a big middle hospital. And one of the inpatients were looking down and watching him. So the guy jacks up his car, takes off the tire, takes off the hubcap. We had hubcaps in those days. Puts his four lug nuts in the hubcap from the tire. Puts on the new tire. And lo and behold, because it's dark, he kicks the hubcap and four the boats go right into the sewer and he can't get them. Here he is, 2 o'clock in the morning, across the street from a mental hospital. Doesn't know what to do. It's beginning to rain. And all of a sudden, a guy yells at him. He says, hey, hey, what you need to do is take one lug nut from each tire and take those three lug nuts and put it on the spare. Space them right, and it gets you to a gas station where you can find new, four new lug nuts, and you'll be okay. Don't get scared. Don't worry. Just get to it. And the man is amazed, and he looks up at the inpatient. And he said, what's going on? He says, look where you are, and look where I am. You're there. I'm here. How come? And the guy says, look it. I'm not in here for being stupid. I'm in here for being strange. Isn't life kind of like that? Strange, you'll wonder where your answers are going to come from. Here's a guy's solution of the leak from, from the least likely place. But he was able to do that. He put on his tire, go down the road, and the first gas station, he bought four lug nuts and fixed his whole car. Solutions come to us when we least expect it and from places we do not anticipate. But the important thing is the question, how you state the problem is the answer. The problem is the solution. Look at it that way. Imagine a world without a problem-solution gap. You can state your problem and get the solution immediately. Solve the problem by defining the situation. Find the solution by stating the problem. Uncover the solution by unlocking the problem. Unlock the solution by revealing the problem. You see that? Wow. So insight six, to crack a serious problem, crack a joke. Harasipi said that. We talked about him before. You might think that's bizarre, right? To crack a serious problem, crack a joke. See, humor ignites creativity even in the most difficult situations. It is all in the timing of the joke. It relieves tension, opens up the mind, you can get clarity. 
and it'll make you feel better just for a second so you can see that insights sneak in and solve the problem for you. Insight seven, never solve a problem for someone. Instead, help them figure out how to solve it on their own. Isn't that what you like to do? Enable others, not lead their lives for them. Because otherwise, you destroy their adaptive competence. Lord Robin said that. Really nice guy. Couldn't fly. But he's an English lord, you know. Never solve a problem for someone. Instead, help them figure out how to solve it on their own. Otherwise, you destroy their adaptive competence. To solve problems more rapidly, be a leader by bringing out and magnifying the problem-solving capacities of your team. Amen? Do I hear an amen, all right? Think about this. It's Friday night. You're friends for dinner at the nearest restaurant that's so nice that you all wanted to go to for six months. You're going to meet them at 8 o'clock. It's going to be a late dinner because everybody had alert. It's now 7.30. All of a sudden, somebody runs into your office and says, we got this terrible problem. We have to solve it before Monday. We got to get on it right now. I don't know what to do. And you say, well, call Henry, the consultant. He can solve anything. We did, but Henry's not available until Thursday. And having come in this weekend, he's going to charge triple time, at least double time. Wouldn't it be better just to go to a platform, state your problem, hit enter, and up comes the solution plan? Wow. How much energy that will give you because it gives you so much information. Good information gives you energy, doesn't it? You don't have to panic, get depressed, and cancel the dinner. Okay. Bring out the problem-solving capacities of your team. A good way to do that is to be able to have rapid solutions online. They're applied because they're evidence-based. They've come from application. They're intuitive because right away you know they work because they've worked so many times before. And their solutions because they will diminish your problem. People who believe a problem can be solved tend to get busy solving it. You know who said that? William Raspberry. I'm not kidding. There's no raspberry. All right. This is William Raspberry. People who believe a problem can be solved tend to get busy solving it. You ever meet those people that say, oh, it's hopeless. Can't solve the problem. They don't think about it anymore they were willing to walk on the plank right and count the teeth of the sharks it's hopeless you know problem solvers are unique for another reason not only are they taken serious but because they busy themselves immediately with problem solving yeah everyone else keeps them busy who do you have on your team who would you rather have on your team? Solve this problem, right? Do you want a problem solver or a problem causer? Two different mindsets, right? You ever see people who never really do anything? They sit around and a job that normally takes 15 minutes, they always take an hour to do that. They don't solve too many problems for you. You don't call, go to them and say, hey, Bill, will you solve this problem for me? I don't want to interrupt, you know, interrupt you doing nothing over there, but I need to have this problem solved. No, you don't need to do that because the problem solver, just let them know a little bit you're having a problem and they are on it, on it. Isn't that great? You know, if you hire 10 people, 
you're really going to do okay if three of them are problem solvers. That's about the best you're going to get, three out of ten. No matter what, some people interview well. Some people have great resumes. Some people just go day to day, just get by. And other people will solve their problems for you. Three out of ten ain't bad. It would be great if you could do better. Most people use their minds to solve problems way less often than they use their minds to create problems. Wow. Mokokomo, Mokohonomo said that. Just call him Moko. Mokokoma. Mokohonohana. Sounds like an Hawaiian name from way back. This might not be true because Mokokoma probably has not met most people. Remember what I just said? Most people use their minds to solve problems way less often than they use their minds to create problems. Sounds very insightful. But for it to be true, he had to know most people, right? And you know he didn't. So he just shouldn't say most people. How about many people do not use their minds at all? <laughs> That's probably true, right? So this might not be true because Mokohoma probably has not met most people. And also because many people do not use their minds at all. But you know, if many people don't use their minds at all, then it probably makes them correct because that leaves less people to call most. So come to think of it, I guess if Mokohomo was not counting these people who don't use their minds, the statement may be correct. Hmm. My advice to you is to take advice from no one. Now, if you take my advice, you're in trouble. But if you don't take my advice, then you're taking my advice. And what Mokokomo would have said about that. More than five out of ten people put off problem solving until they have no choice. Then they find that they now face several problems beyond the one they avoided. It is the law of the universe that marks those who hesitate. Remember that? He who hesitates is lost. Newkirk's law of problem solving number 475. I got lots of them. Those who hesitate solving problems are the problem to be solved themselves, right? I like that, don't you? Those who hesitate solving problems are the problems to be solved. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. You know who said that? Captain Jack Sparrow. Thank goodness. I think that was Disney, right? Deep intelligence technology. That's what we offer. It's virtuality. It helps you ask the right questions. It turns on the light. It's, questions are a way of seeing, you know. You ask enough questions, you eventually ask the right questions. The more questions you ask, the more your road is lit up. Deep intelligence technology. All that means is asking questions. Virtuality means in real time. Don't put it off till later. We've already talked about that. Oh. So, as we mentioned in episode one, you had e-learning, consulting, coaching, and they're changing fast now. Reason number one, e-learning isn't real time. Reason number two, consulting gets abused. Reason number three, coaching gives false sense of 
competence. Wow. E-learning doesn't occur in real time. We need solutions now. Get that problem and solve it now. I don't need to take a whole course, do I? We've talked about that in episode number one. You know, problems keep on emerging. We are masters at asking great questions, capturing real-time solutions to rapidly solve pressing problems, and managing the problem-solving process. That's what we do at SMI. Let me tell you how Albert Einstein put it. If I had an hour to solve a problem and my life depended on the solution, I would spend the first 55 minutes determining the proper question to ask. For once I know the proper question, I could solve the problem in less than five minutes. Albert Einstein. I'm not going to argue with him. He read a lot of books. He was a librarian for a while, you know, that one of the reasons he was so smart, he didn't let people make him dumb. <laughs> All right. So the new reality, fewer courses, fewer consultants and coaches, but better results with SMI's deep intelligence technology. No, this isn't all a commercial. It's about a new paradigm coming out. Little by little, continuous problem-based learning, virtual context-based learning, Mobile problem solving. That's where the world is going in the world of virtuality. It's what we're introducing. It's brand new. I've only been working on it for 50 years. That's longer than a lot of you have been around. People ask me how old I am. I ask them if they have a license to ask that question. And they say, no, we're taking your advice. We're asking a lot of questions. Oh, well, so a fact some people are potent problem solvers and many more people are not in problem solving at all. I can is more be is often better than IQ. It's more right to the point, huh? I can is better than IQ. You can have a lot of people who are very smart who can't do anything because they don't put themselves to it. Something else is the problem. The problems differ from generation to generation. But the qualities needed to solve them remain unchanged from the world's end to the world's end. You know who said that? Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt. Uncle Teddy and the Rough Riders. For an objective approach to a problem, you need to have an overview rather than involvement. Recipe said that. Remember, we mentioned him. Understand what he's saying here. I'll, I'll mention it again. For an objective approach for a problem, you need to have an overview rather than involvement. What happens when you get really involved? It becomes subjective. You're in trouble, right? It's no longer what you think, it's what you feel. You ever ask anybody, what do you think about this problem? And they'll say, well, I feel. But you didn't ask them what they feel. When I was a freshman in philosophy, a professor said to me, Ray, what do you think about such and such and such and such? I want you to write a paper on this. And I said to him in my paper, I feel this way and that way. And he comes back to me and he says, you get an F. I didn't ask you what you feel. But since you're new in philosophy and you're a freshman, you know absolutely nothing about philosophy, I'm going to let you write the paper again. This time tell me what you think. I don't want to know what you feel. I don't want an emotional judgment. I want an intellectual, rational answer. 
That was week one in philosophy. I never made that mistake again. What do you feel about that? I'll tell you what I think. It's so much easier to suggest solutions when you don't know too much about the problem, isn't it? Heck, if you don't know much about the problem, you can tell them any solution. They're not going to know it's right or wrong. Tell you what you do. Don't take my advice. Figure it out for yourself. What's wrong with this statement? Nothing. It's so much easier to suggest solutions, isn't it? How many people try and solve your problems for you when they know a little bit about you? A little bit about the problem? You know? You know what's wrong with advice? I don't give advice because you might take it. And I could be wrong and then <laughs> I'd have to live with you having a problem. I think the best thing is to work together for a solution. If you ask somebody for advice, don't ask them for advice. Say, let's just work on a solution. And here's the problem. And see what you can come up with collectively. Because they won't know a lot about the problem, so they'll give you a lot of solutions. The less they know about the problem, the more solutions they offer. It's inversely proportional. It's Newkirk's Law, 1013 and 55. 1,355. Don't you forget that. The law states, very simply, the less someone knows about a problem, the more solutions they will offer you for that problem. All right? You want to break that? Then tell them a lot about the problem. They'll probably walk away with no solutions, right? That's okay. Leadership is self-made. Did you know that? People who have deliberately decided to become problem solvers lead better. Israel Moore said that. Ayivor. Israel Moore Ayivor. Yes. I'm, no, I'm probably butchering these names, huh? Leadership is self-made. People who have deliberately decided to become problem solvers lead better. I've had good bosses. Or I was very... When I was young, I was very fortunate. Way back before I was 30, I was very fortunate. I had bosses that were really great problem solvers. And you could see what good leaders they are. Problem solvers are inspired leaders. They have a lot of experience with the stuff that went wrong and how to fix it. You know what makes leadership? Overcoming struggles. Overcoming, working hard. Having to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It forms you in a certain way. It molds you in a certain way. If you keep your integrity, you don't become a gangster or a crook or a con artist. You want to be able to live with yourself before you die. To do that, you have to be a noble person who's formed good habits by working out all the problems of life that you encounter. You see... It's self-made. You can take all the courses you want on leadership, but it doesn't make you a leader. I'll tell you an interesting insight I had recently. When I look on the internet and I go through LinkedIn and I see so many, so many statements and so many questions and so many things, and there's so many guys talking about leadership. I created a field called anthropological leadership where I actually went out and I studied 
the history of leadership from the very beginning. I went as far back as I could in history to see where there were leaders and what they had to say. And I found out hundreds and hundreds of traits of what a good leader had. And if you identified all those traits and put them in the dictionary, it would be a thick book of all the characteristics that make a person a leader. And you know what? I don't even know if God has all those traits. But by gosh, if you don't have all those traits, you're not going to be a good leader. That's what I learned. And the trouble with all of this is it's always been that way. That people are writing books about leadership and a lot of them never had a leadership position at all. You know, there's nothing like experience to form the person. You know, so it's not that I, leadership, studying leadership is a great thing. You should study all this stuff, but it doesn't make you that. You make yourself who you are, but what you accept and what you reject, what you want to aspire to, and you're not going to live forever. You know, who's that? Was that a movie Arnold Schwarzenegger made where he's Conan or something and he had this psychic, this female, and they'd always say, do you want to live forever? Remember that? Wow. The answer is you don't get to. So you don't waste your time. Be very selective. Develop good judgment with your mind, folks. Leadership is self-made. And leadership can be transitory. You never hear about this. Just because you are a leader one time, that might not ever occur again. Certain things come together with a certain team and a certain problem, and they need a person to stand up and take ownership, and that's you, and you do it, and you solve the problem. That might not ever come again. I love what this guy that started EDS used to say. I want to know what you've done with your life and what you have done lately. Remember him? I think he ran for president for a while. Started a company called EDS. I'm not going to tell you who he is. If you're curious, you'll find it out yourself. A really smart guy. He understood that. Certain things. When he found that EDS, one of the hardest things he had to go through was to find his first team that worked together well. Yeah. The chemistry is very important. You don't have to like each other. You don't, you know, but you have to love each other. There's a difference. So, leadership is self-made. Take your life serious. You want to goof with it. Imagine effective solutions that are real-time. You know? Effective solutions that you can get with the push of a button. Wow. Success is 90% below the surface, ladies and gentlemen. So do a deep dive into deep intelligence. The world needs curious divers, you know. Imagine problem solving that doesn't get abused. I think, therefore, I blog, right? Everybody should blog. It's worth it. I used to tell everybody, it's good to have a daily journal about how you feel and what you think. They see how you grow in your lifetime. Because let me tell you, Memories that you have 40 years ago or 20 years ago or 15 days ago are often not the same thing that do not really tell you what really happened. You often recreate things, right? So it's a big, beautiful world out there, and I, I thank you for joining me. Our time is kind of up, you know? And uh, applied intuitive solutions are paving the winning path.
That's what these solutions are that I'm talking about. They're a reality of the possible. They can work so well, they might be illegal. They're 400% more improved in speed and te technology. Because you can learn from the solution plans, how to develop a plan of action for solution, you will tend to avoid solutions in the future. And you will repeat common problems a lot less. And you'll need coaches and consultants about 70% less than you do now. That's why you want to be a good problem solver. It makes you smarter. The virtual problem-solving economy is here. The way the world solves problems has changed again for the very first time. Take a look at smirsp.com and you get some idea what I'm talking about. It's going to be a content-heavy webpage. I'm throwing all kinds of stuff out there. It's really nice. I'm talking about solving problems in the cosmos of virtuality. Don't you like that word cosmos? We live in the cosmos. I heard a guy the other day tell me that all our scientists are wrong. The universe isn't 12 billion years old. He said it was 475 trillion years old. Wow. He said something that's not provable. So I guess you can say anything if it looks like you're smart. He said it's 75 billion years old, and there's something like 147 trillion universes. I guess he's been in them all, right? He's probably that guy that told the other guy how to change his tires, right? So guess what? Our time is up on episode two. Thank you for joining me on this discussion about applied thinking. I'll be back with episode three pretty soon. I hope you enjoyed it. It's kind of fun, isn't it? This is only the second time I've ever done this. I'll get better. You know, I'll get wiser. I'll develop more skill. And uh, just remember this, God gave us two ears and one mouth to tell us to listen really well, right? Sometimes I talk fast because I get excited because I just love this stuff. I love sharing great ideas and intriguing things. I'm looking forward to your comments and uh, thank you for joining me. This is Ray Newkirk wishing you all to have a very pleasant evening. Thank you.